uh, about three months ago, a CCTV uh, from a railway station just outside of Mumbai in India made the headlines. What what happened was the six-year-old was walking on this train station with his partially sighted mum when he fell off the platform and onto the track. And then when his mum cried out for help, Mayur, uh, our railway worker, he ran to help. He sprinted more than 30 metres along that track to the boy, grabbed him and threw him onto the platform before he climbed on the platform himself, just seconds before that express train thundered through the station. So there's no doubt that because of his quick thinking, because of his courage, because of his speed, this man saved this young boy's life. And he did it without even a thought to his own safety. In fact, he said that when he went home that night, he didn't tell his parents what he had done because he was afraid that they would give out to him uh, for risking his life in doing that. And Meyer continued to sacrifice for the sake of that young boy. The railway minister rewarded Mayer with a cash prize to, to reward his bravery. 570 euros, or the equivalent of it. But Mayer announced that he would give half of it to that young boy that he saved in order to pay for education costs. So it's not surprising that many people have called this, this man a hero. Some even called him a superhero for what he had done. He risked everything to save the life of that boy. But this morning I want us to remember that God has called us to have that exact same attitude in our own lives. Not to save people from oncoming trains, but to share with them the life-giving message of the gospel. And this is what, why the Apostle Paul was willing to become all things to all people. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. And Grace is going to come up and she's going to read uh, for us. Thanks, Grace. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like the one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not, on, not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. Thank you very much, Grace. Many people have misunderstood what Paul meant when he said, I have become all things to all men, in verse 22. They've assumed 
that Paul was saying that he compromised on everything in order to be loved and to be accepted by others. And so they've either criticised Paul for being unprincipled and inconsistent, or they've followed his supposed example in trying to become like a chameleon, just blending into the culture, just following the world in all of its beliefs and moral standards. But that's not what Paul meant when he said this. Paul was committed to the message of the gospel. He said here in verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Paul was passionate in his dedication and devotion to the good news about Jesus. So what that meant was that he was uncompromising in the content of the gospel. He said in verse 2 of chapter 2 of this letter, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ And him crucified. That's all that Paul preached. Paul's message was always centered on the crucified Savior. He always told people about the Son of God who loved them so much that he laid down his life on the cross to pay for their sins. Now, of course, Paul knew that many people were offended by this message. Remember when he wrote in chapter 1 of this letter, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. People thought that what Paul was saying was a load of rubbish. But despite that, Paul refused to alter his message, to make it more acceptable or to make it more attractive to people. And he strongly confronted anybody who was tempted to do that. So he wrote in the book of Galatians chapter 1, that even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. No compromise at all in the content of the gospel. But Paul wasn't just committed to preaching the gospel. He was also committed to living it out. And he challenged any behaviour that was inconsistent with it. So, for example, when Peter and some other Christians were tempted to distance themselves from the Gentile believers, Paul confronted them. Because he said, I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. They were treating those Gentile believers as if they were not the same as they were, not a child of God as they were, not as acceptable as they were. And that was inconsistent with the gospel, so Paul confronted it. But Paul didn't just confront uh, Jewish believers when they lived inconsistently with the gospel. He also confronted Gentile believers about standing out from their pagan culture. So as we've seen, he told the Corinthians, the Corinthians who lived in a very immoral culture, immoral city, he told them to flee from sexual immorality. 
And if people refuse to do this, to repent of their moral lifestyles after they've been taught, after they've been challenged on these issues, well, he told the church to expel them from their community. So being all things to all people is not about compromising on the preaching or the living out of the gospel. Today, the teaching of the Bible is often seen as out of date, narrow-minded, irrelevant, offensive, maybe even dangerous. But we are not called to fit into this world. We need to be committed to the message, no matter what people say, no matter what people think. And that's because our message is at the heart of our mission. As we saw last week, Paul was called to be an apostle. He'd been commissioned by Jesus to share the good news of Jesus and to play a a foundational role in the building of the church. And here Paul tells us why he is so committed to that mission. This was first of all because he believed it was a crucial mission. His desire, verse 22, is that I might save some. Paul desperately wanted to save some. Paul knew that outside of Christ, everyone is in a desperate situation. It doesn't matter how good they try to be. It doesn't matter how sincere they are. It doesn't matter how many times they go to church. If they've not put their faith in Jesus, then they're lost. And they're heading to a lost eternity. Paul told Ephesians before they heard about the gospel that you were dead in your transgressions and sins. They were dead. And they were without hope. And without God. In this world. They were absolutely lost. And they couldn't help themselves. They couldn't save themselves. But through their faith in Jesus. God who is rich in mercy. Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace. You have been saved. Saved. Paul knew that his mission was a salvation mission. It was a a rescue mission. It was literally a matter of life and death. Of eternal life and eternal death. The gospel that he shared was the power of God to rescue lost sinners from the road to hell and bring them into God's family and give them a guaranteed place in heaven. That's how important Paul's mission was. Of course, he knew that lots of people would reject it. Many people would ridicule it. Many people would even attack him for sharing it. But that didn't stop him. He didn't focus on those who would reject it. He focused on the fact that some people would accept it. He was committed to his gospel mission so that some people would be saved. 
But that doesn't mean that Paul was just content with just seeing a few people saved. He wanted, verse 19, he wanted to win as many as possible to Christ. This was his ambition. This was the driving force of his life. This was why he dedicated to share the gospel with as many people as possible. So that as many people as possible would put their trust in Jesus and be saved from hell. And this was Paul's ambition for people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of places. Paul, of course, was a Jew. He was he's of the tribe of Benjamin. And so he desperately wanted to win the Jews. Those under the law. Paul had a real heart for his own people, for his own race. He says in Romans chapter 10, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Paul was passionate in praying for his fellow countrymen. That they would trust in Jesus. That they would be saved. In fact, he was so impacted by the thought of them being lost that he said that if it had been possible, he would be willing to lose his salvation if it meant that the people of his own nation would be saved. That's what he says in Romans chapter 9. I wish, I could wish, that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. That's Paul's passion for his own people. He would be willing to give up everything if they would just be saved. But Paul was not narrow-minded in his focus, on his mission. Paul didn't just focus on his, his own people. He didn't just care about people who were like him. He also wanted to desperately to win those not having the law. The Gentiles, the non-Jews. He was equally committed to preaching the gospel to them. To those who were different from him. In fact, he described himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. He had that sense of call in his life to go to people who were different from him and share the gospel with them. Not just to do it within his own circle of influence. And so Paul believed that preaching the gospel was worthwhile. Look at what he said in verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We'll think a little bit more about that next week. But Paul believed that no matter what it cost him, his mission was worth it. In the end, he wouldn't lose out. Yes, it cost him an incredible amount. But he was willing to do it because he believed it was completely and totally worth it all. So what about us? Are we committed to our mission? 
Jesus has called all of us who have trusted in Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. That's not just for some of us here. That's not just for the professionals. That's not just for the people who are really, really good at doing it. That's for every single one of us who have trusted in Jesus. That is our mission. So do we realize that as followers of Jesus, we have been given this crucial mission to share the gospel of salvation to those who are lost and heading to a lost eternity? Are we ambitious to, to, to save as many people as possible. Is that the, the driving passion of our lives? To see as many people as possible turn to Christ? Are we committed to this mission? Not just reaching people who are like us, from a similar background, or who speak like us, or who act like us. But are we committed to this mission? Of going to make, make disciples of all nations? And do we believe that no matter what it costs us, our mission is worthwhile? Can we say that? Can we express that as uh, the passion in our lives, the driving force of our lives? Or are we living for something else? If we are going to be as committed to our mission as Paul was, then we, like Paul, need to be willing to change the method of how we share the gospel. When Paul reached out to Jews, he typically spoke to them in their synagogues. And he spoke, typically, from the scriptures, from the Old Testament. So in Thessalonica, Acts 17 tells us that Paul went into the synagogue... And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and raise, rise from the dead. So reaching out to the Jewish people, Paul typically went to their place of worship, read the Bible that they were familiar with, and proved how their Bible pointed to Christ. But when Paul reached out to the Gentiles, the people who are not Jews, Paul often went to the marketplaces or the debating halls. And he spoke the truth of Jesus into their culture. So when Paul went to Athens, he went into what's called the Areopagus. And he spoke there about an altar that he saw in that city. An altar that had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. These people were so religious, so scared, that even though they had loads and loads of altars and idols all through the city, they even put up this altar to an unknown God just in case they missed him or her. And Paul went there to share who that unknown God was and to make him known. And And as he did this, he actually quoted from their poets to connect with their culture. A very different approach than when he went into the synagogues to speak to the Jews. Then when he had defended himself in the Sanhedrin, he spoke about his hope in the resurrection. 
But when he spoke to a hostile mob in Jerusalem or spoke in front of the governor Felix or King Agrippa, he shared his testimony. He shared his story of how God had worked in his life and rescued him. In these different situations, Paul was not changing his message. He was still preaching Christ and him crucified. But he was adapting his approach to fit the people he was speaking to. And in this way, he was following the example of Jesus. We've been reading through the Gospels over the summer. Well, I hope you have. I hope you've been enjoying learning more about Jesus again. And we've seen, we'll see through the Gospels, Jesus speaking to people like Nicodemus, the exalted Bible teacher about new life, about spiritual rebirth. Or speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, speaking about living water. Or to the paralyzed man, Speaking about forgiveness. Speaking to the rich young ruler about the the cost of following Jesus. Jesus' message was consistent. It was always calling people to repent and to follow him. But it was perfectly adapted to each individual. To their situation, to their struggles, to their issues, to their understanding. And so the people that we meet, they all have different personalities. They all have different backgrounds. They all have different struggles and different beliefs. They all need to hear about Jesus. That's the message where they, what they all need to hear. They, they all need to get to the same place of putting their faith in Christ crucified. But if we are going to be effective in our mission then we might need to adapt our approach and seek to speak relevantly and respectfully into each of their lives in a different way. And what that means, folks, is that we need to take the time to listen and to get to know who we're trying to share the gospel with. If we're going to adapt how we approach this issue with each person determined by who they are, then we need to get to know who they are. So even in our evangelism, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Not rushing in, telling people what we think they need to hear, but getting to know them, listening to them, seeing where they are. And how Jesus is the answer to what they're going through. We need to be willing to change our method as we preach the message of Jesus. But it's not just our method that needs to change. We also need to be willing to change our manner of life. Look at verse 12 in the chapter. Paul was willing to put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, last week we saw that what that led Paul to do was to give up his right to get financial support from the church in Corinth. 
He said no to the possibility of getting money from them and instead he supported himself so that nobody could ever question his motives or suggest that he was just doing it for money. But this also led him to become all things to all people. In the sense that he was willing to change his manner of life to help people to hear the gospel. Now, of course, Paul wasn't any under any obligation to obey the man-made rules and regulations of any culture of, or of any religion. He knew that he'd been set free through trusting in Jesus. He says in verse 19, I am free and belong to no man. Paul had been set free by Jesus. He knew that in Christ he was loved by God and he was fully accepted by him, just as he was. But because Paul loved people, and so much long for them to get to know Jesus themselves, he was willing to set aside his own rights, his own freedoms, his own privileges, so that he could reach as many people as possible. See what he says in verse 19, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. So what did this mean? What did this look like in Paul's life? Well, what this meant was that when he was reaching out to Jewish people, he was willing to adapt his manner of life to the Jewish culture. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. So, for example, when young Timothy joined his mission team, he circumcised Timothy because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, Paul didn't need to do this for Timothy to be, for Timothy to be accepted by God. Timothy had put his trust in Jesus. He was fully a child of God. He didn't need anything else in order to get part of God's kingdom. But he did this so that Timothy's background would not become an obstacle to someone hearing the gospel. Or when Paul visited Jerusalem, he listened to the church leaders who told them about four Jewish believers who were, who had made a vow. And he advised them to join in their purification rites and to pay their expenses. This was a Jewish tradition. So Paul didn't need to do this. Because in Christ, Paul was completely pure in God's sight. He was completely accepted by God. He, and he wasn't under their law or their ob, an obligation to their traditions. But Paul did this. To stop the rumours that he was teaching Jews to reject all of their Jewish background. Because he knew that if people believed that, then that might stop some people hearing about Jesus. So Paul was willing to come under that tradition to live like a Jew. To win the Jews. But when Paul was reaching out to the Gentiles, Paul set aside any prejudice or preferences from his Jewish background. And to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. So when Lydia, a Gentile businesswoman, trusted in Jesus in Philippi, she invited us to her home. Luke says in Acts chapter 16. 
Now, staying in Lydia's home, a Gentile's home, would have been unthinkable for a, a dedicated, devout Jew. But Paul and his team stayed there because it was a powerful illustration of the fact that this woman had become their sister in Christ. And then later in that very same city, in Philippi again, after leading the jailer and his family to Christ, the jailer brought them out into his home, his house, and set a meal before them. And Paul and Silas accepted this hospitality. Despite it being against what they would have done before they'd come to Christ when they'd followed the traditions and practices of Judaism. Now, of course, this isn't saying that just Paul just did whatever he wanted. He didn't. Yes, he was not under the law, but he emphasised here that he was under Christ's law. He wasn't bound to keeping the Mosaic laws in the New Old Testament, but he did do everything in order to obey Jesus. But Paul was willing to set aside his background and his previous habits, his preferences, what he liked, so that he could connect with these Gentiles and share the gospel with them. And folks, this is what it means to be all things to all people. It is not about compromising our message. It's not about compromising our morals. But it is being willing to set aside what we like to do. Our preferences, our privileges, our rights, our freedoms. If it would help somebody else hear about Jesus. If it would hear about the gospel. It's about willing to remove any possible, unnecessary barrier that is in the way of, that would stop somebody from hearing the gospel. That might be our politics. Put that to one side. Because we are focused on sharing the gospel. It might be the language that we use. It might be our lifestyle choices. If they're getting in the way of somebody hearing the gospel, we'll change them. Our personal appearance. Our musical tastes. Our, what we, the, the, the sport team that we follow. Or whatever else it is. It's about being willing to step out of our comfort zone. And come alongside other people that we might not have anything in common with. Spend time with them. Share our lives with them. All so that we can point them to Jesus. And as we do this. If we do this, then we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. Because that's what he did in a much more radical way. John 1 and 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In order to reach us, in order to rescue us, in order to bring us into his family, Jesus set aside the glories of heaven. And he stepped down into this messed up world. 
And he became like us, sharing in our humanity. And he spent time with all sorts of people, men and women and even little kids. Pharisees and, and, and teachers of the law, as well as tax collectors and sinners and outcasts. And without compromising his personal holiness one little bit, without compromising the truth of the message that he shared, he got alongside people and called them to repent and to come and to follow him. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. So I hope that if we saw someone in danger, like that boy in the train tracks, then we would react like Meyer, who we talked about at the start. And we would do all that we could to rescue him. We would even be willing to risk our lives to rescue somebody. But the people around us today, they're under even greater danger. So are we willing to be all things to all people to save some? Are we willing to commit to our message and to our mission and share the gospel with passion and enthusiasm? And are we willing to change our method as needed and change our manner of life because we are willing to put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ.